I had the pleasure to share at uh, Red Deer uh, Streams Church a few weeks ago, and it was so good. I am going to share some of that again today. Amen? And I, I'm actually believing that God is going to use this and uh, bless us here today. And um, yeah, I was at conference in Victoria last week. I saw Pastor Roy and his wife and distance, and there's so many people. You know, I you know I never even got a chance to chat with him, uh, and so I I can tell you he was there and he was fine, but he was way over across the way. What a great conference! I'm not kidding you. It was great. So I have the pleasure of being with you here today, and again uh, on next Sunday. And I, in seeking the Lord about this, I'm very much on my mind. I'm just. Uh, I don't take these opportunities for granted. I actually just say, Lord, what do you want to say through me at these particular services? Because I do believe it matters. I think it, it matters a great deal to God uh, of what we say and what we do. And so we're going to talk about faith a little bit today. But before I do that, allow me to introduce myself a little bit. As you've heard, my name is Keith Bishop and my wife here, Betty Ann. And then uh, I have all these other family members here today, which uh, are, I'm so glad that they're here. And I found today that we're, on, we're less than an hour from here. I didn't realize that we were that close. Uh, what I typically do over the last number of years, uh, I do interim work. I basically go to uh, churches that are in, int uh, in a, a changing um, a season. Uh, sometimes I've been asked to go to a certain... Churches where people are no longer acting like Jesus. And uh, I'm able to go there and try to help them uh, to get to a, a new spot. And so we just finished one in Drumheller. And uh, we got a, a great result there. A great uh, couple went in there. And uh, are going to see awesome, awesome things there. Pray for Drumheller that God will bless them. Can you imagine having 60,000 square feet of building? That's what they have. I'm not kidding, 60,000 square feet. That would probably be, I'm going to say conservatively, three or four times what this building is, I'm going to guess, three for sure. And so uh, they just really uh, have an awesome opportunity to see something great happen for God. When I was younger, I, I admired people who were, who were clever. Uh, now that I'm older, I, I find I'm admiring people more so that are generous, people that are generous, generous in spirit and generous in all aspects of their life. And, and today we're talking about people of, of great faith, talking from Titus chapter 3, the first eight verses. And it says, don't be afraid in part of this, put your trust in God, don't be afraid. As I've said to you this morning, some of you privately already this morning, God is with us. God is with us. Do you believe that? God is with us. God is absolutely with you. And we need to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. I'll tell you, I don't know if you've ever lost any of your senses. I don't mean like their senses, senses, but any of the five senses that God gives you. I don't know if you've ever lost them, but I, since I came back from the airport, um, we came back Friday night, and yesterday my hearing I, I lost half of my hearing. It dropped about half. Very upsetting and very concerning. And so uh, we were praying about it last night. And praise God, I woke this morning and I can hear fine. And uh, I'm 95% I'm back to where it should be. 
But you know, when you lose some of your senses, uh, does it ever change your perspective on how things look? Well, a lady by the name of Fanny Crosby, uh, she lost some of her senses, her vision in particular. And God mightily used this lady. She wrote all kinds of songs, songs like, and some of you will recognize some of these. She was known as the, the queen of gospel songs. And she wrote, Blessed Assurance, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. Jesus is tenderly calling you home. Praise him, praise him. Rescue the perishing. To God be the glory. Remember some of these songs? I'm sure you do. I mean, all kinds of these wonderful songs. And she was mightily used of God. And she was um, uh, getting to be quite popular. And, and, and once, uh, uh, Crosby, she said, and I quote, Before 1840, my friends had nearly spoiled me with their praises. At least I began to feel my own importance as a poet a little too much. So the superintendent, Mr. Jones, thought something ought to be done to curb such rising vanity. One morning after breakfast, I was summoned to the office. I was an impressive, it was an impressive occasion, and I remember that uh, what Mr. Jones said almost word for word, quote, Fanny, I am sorry that you have allowed yourself to be carried away by what others have said about your verses. True, you have written a number of poems of real merit, but how far do they fall short of the standard that they might have attained? Shun a flatterer, Fanny, as you would a viper, for no true friend would deceive you with words of flattery. Remember that whatever talent you possess belongs wholly to God. You ought to give him the credit for all that you do. Then the dear man said to me, again I quote, Fanny, have I wounded your feelings? Something within me, she said, bore witness that Mr. Jones spoke the truth. So I answered, no, sir. On the contrary, you have talked to me like a father, and I thank you very much for it. Fanny had a choice that day. She had a choice to become offended, and she also had a choice to be submissive to the superintendent of the school who spoke to her out of concern for her and out of love. I remind people, the scripture, remind the people to be subject to the rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good. And then in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 19, don't listen to complaints against the pastor unless there are two or three witnesses to accuse him. I am talking to you today about a subject that maybe I just have to trust God because as I was going through things that I wanted to bring something different, I wanted to bring this and that, and I had some other great thoughts and some great sermons that were preached at conference that I thought I could adapt for this congregation, but this is where I landed. So I have to believe, and I do believe, that God the Holy Spirit is leading. God the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you here today. You may never see me again. It doesn't matter. The vessel doesn't matter. But this is what does matter, is that God gets across to you what he wants to get across to you in these few minutes that we have together. For those who aspire to be in authority, for those who want to be in authority, you must learn to be under authority. Amen? 
It's the truth. That's one of the truest statements I have ever come across outside of the word of God in the last number of years. For those who aspire to be in authority, they must learn how to be under authority. That includes my 17-year-old, amen? My 17-year-old. If he wants to be in charge, he has to learn how to take orders. If you want to give orders, you've got to learn how to take orders. And can I get an amen in the house? It's the truth. And so God wants us to be under his authority. You look at Joseph of old. He had to learn to, how to be under authority, even under godless authority. Under godless authority. He was always ready to be used of God. He started off with some awesome dreams instilled by God, but his dreams immediately kind of got to him and kind of went to his head. And God had to use great challenges and adversity, allow all kinds of things to come into his life to change him, get him thinking differently. And then he was used by God to save the, no, the then known world from starvation. He had to learn to be under authority, even when he was falsely accused and he was put in jail for it. And he was not able to have prisoner rights. He was not able to have three square meals a day. No, 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 none of that stuff. None of of that stuff. Didn't have a clean place to sleep. I mean, he was in this pit. He was in this garbage prison. And he wasn't even guilty of what he was accused of. He had to sit in the midst of that, that injustice. And he had to say, okay, God, I am going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. And some of you are in situations where it is unjust. It's absolutely unjust. I'm not suggesting, my friends, that you don't push back in an appropriate way. I don't think you, I'm not suggesting that you be as was our Lord Jesus Christ, and appropriately so, as they took him and as he he was taken to the cross, he didn't didn't complain. They nailed him to a cross and he bled and he died there for you and me, but he he didn't complain. I'm not suggesting that we have to always go that same path. I think there is an appropriate time to say, whoa, 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 that information is incorrect. What you were told is wrong. And this is the truth of the matter. I think there is a place for that. Joseph didn't have that place for a long time, but he finally did get it, as you may know the story. One day, his brothers came in, the the same brothers who had betrayed him, the same brothers who had sold him into slavery, thinking he was dead. Because slaves in those days, that's what happened. They died. They didn't live. They, they lived a short time, served a purpose, upset the masters somehow, and then they were killed. I mean, it was a short, short life. So they never, ever envisioned that Joseph would one day be standing as a ruler next to Pharaoh in Egypt. And that they would be asking him for help in regards to food to sustain their life. But Joseph had the opportunity at that time. He had a choice again. Now, I can get even or I can simply recognize that I am in a position that God has put me. And what these brothers of mine meant for evil, God meant for good. And whatever you're going through... And whatever difficulty you may find yourself in, and you say, God, how could you possibly allow this? How could you allow my marriage to dissolve? God, how could you allow this thing thing to happen in my home? I can only say that you can look back, hopefully at some point, 
you'll be able to, by faith, look back and say, you know what? Those people who did those things, those people who lied about me, those people who did this or that, the injustice that took place, Lord, you had a different plan. You had a different plan. You allowed it for a purpose. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And all the moms and dads said, Oh, that was weak. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And all the parents said, there we go. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with the promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. I don't know about you, but I have deserved many tickets driving the streets and roads of Alberta. I, I, I have deserved many tickets, and this next picture shows a very familiar uh, vehicle for some of you, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, as, you, as you're coming, uh, going to, uh, you know, your different uh, events and so on, uh, like I've deserved many, many tickets. Uh, I only had one recently, and... Uh, I had been without a ticket for over 30 years. Can you believe that? You would say, well, oh, you must have been a really, you know, exemplary uh, driver. But the truth is, I was experiencing uh, the mercy. <laughs> I, I was experiencing mercy. And, and uh, I mean, I'm a tremendous driver. Don't get me wrong. However, you know, at the end of the day... Uh, I didn't always get what I deserved is what I'm getting at. I, I never always got what I deserved. Have any of you ever been driving down the highway and you just sense the angels jumping off your vehicle because you're going too fast? And, uh, you know, there's no angels on your vehicle, by the way. It's just an expression. But, you know, again, you, if you're going to be in authority, this next picture is of a dear lady that I know very well. And she just got, a few weeks ago, she got her, her license. There she is holding her license. She had to learn to be under authority. She had to learn to be under authority. This guy here, pray for him. This Wednesday, he goes for his driver's test. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. So you can beef the prayer up for yourself, too. And uh, uh, he's going to go. Now, he's had to learn. He's been taking driver training. He had to learn to be under authority. He has to understand that when he comes up to a street and it says a stop sign, you have to stop. And when there's a yield, you have to yield to the other drivers. He had to learn the rules of the road. He had to learn to be in submission to those rules. And in the body of Christ, it's not so different. You have to learn to be in submission to those rules. Uh, once in a while in my 30-plus years of, of pastoral ministry, I have had people come to me and, and say in, in a moment that it sounds so holy, it sounds so right, and they talk about how I, I submit only to Jesus, which is really a statement of rebellion because what they were really saying is I submit to no man. Well, then you might as well throw out half the New Testament because that's what it's talking about. The how is the appropriate way to submit to brothers and sisters in Christ who are in authority in the body of Christ for a purpose. Now, when I was a child, I don't know about you guys, did you guys go to grade one in kindergarten? I did. I remember my grade one teacher. How many of you remember your grade one teacher? Anybody? A lot of us. How many of you remember your grade five teacher? Oh, I was going to say most of you usually don't. Oh, that illustration bombed. Anyway, I, I remember my first, my, my first grade teacher. And I got a picture of her here. 
up on the screen, and uh, her name was Mrs. Bird. I found it really easy to be in submission to this beautiful young lady. I was going to marry her. I was going to, all the little boys in the class, we were all going to marry her. We were in love with her. She was so pretty. All we knew, we didn't even know what marriage meant. All we knew is that, you know, when you really like somebody, you marry them. That's, that's, that was our level of understanding. And so this is my grade one teacher. And I had to learn how to be an authority to her. Easy, easy, my goodness. Because she even smelt nice. You know what I'm saying? Because she was a pretty young lady, and we're just little boys going, ooh, wonderful. Well, then I got to grade three, and this is a picture of my grade three teacher. <laughs> and I'm, it actually, it's a picture off the internet, but I'm not kidding you. It actually looks just like her. I'm not kidding you. Her, her name was Mrs. Seguin, and she used to break rulers over our head. Like the real deal. Nowadays, I know you'd get arrested. But in those days, if you went home and told your mom and dad that you got in trouble at school, you got a licking, you know. You got another spanking, you know. So we, we didn't care. We were boys anyway, so it didn't matter. And she broke rulers over our head, over our fingers. And she'd smack us. Oh, my goodness. It was hard to be in submission to her. It was hard. Because she didn't smell nice. And she did not act nice. But you get my message. Not always is it going to be easy to be in submission to somebody. And if you find yourself only willing to be in submission to people that you think look nice and smell nice and act nice, there may be times when you're going to have to be in submission to someone that doesn't act that way and they have a position of authority. You may wonder how on earth they ever got it. But they do have that position of authority. And for the authority's sake, for the, for the sake of the institution or the sake of God, you choose to be in submission. Secondly, remind the people to be considerate toward all people. The Bible says, slander no one. Be peaceable. Be considerate. Show true mercy or true humility toward all men. At one time, you too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. And we lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. In other words, the scripture says, you weren't so great yourself if you want to really remember what you were like. That isn't to excuse those who are like that now, but it's a reminder that by God's grace, people can change. I don't know if you've ever gone to a Boxing Day sale. They're not, one like, they're not like what they used to be. They used to be really bad. Here's a picture of some, and it's a real picture, somebody fighting over a television. And I tell you, it can get brutal, you know. I mean, if you, want, if you ever get to see that, you will just look at it. You just shake your head. But sometimes in the spiritual realm, we're almost the same way. We're clamoring for our own way. We're clamoring to get things that God doesn't want us even to have. And probably the people that are clamoring onto this TV to save $100 probably have one at home anyway. We're funny people. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. In, fa in fact, what we're really saying is that it's not always about you. It's not always about me. Sometimes it's not about us at all. It's about somebody else. 
Well, I don't feel good about that. Well, we don't really care. Amen? You know? When, you're, when your 14-year-old comes and says, well, I don't feel good about that. I don't want to go to A&W. I want to go to Dairy Queen. Well, we don't really care. Because it's not about you. It's not your birthday. It's your brother's birthday. You know, there's a time, there's a time that it is about you. But lots of times it's not about you. Amen? And I want to tell you something, my friends. We're, we're sitting in, a, and I know if Pastor Roy were here right now, he would be amening this next statement all the way. And that is simply this. Friends, in many respects, it's not about us that are gathered here. It's about those who are out there. That's who it's really about. Because we're in the boat. We're in the boat. We're, we're saved. We're, we're okay. We could drop dead right now and we're, we're going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Awesome. But what about those thousands around us that are going to hell? We still believe the Bible, do we not? The Bible still teaches that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Oh, that's not that popular on the internet. But I don't serve the internet. I serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you? And so our heart's cry has to be, Lord, what we do is for not just ourselves, but it is for the propagation of the gospel. It's for the advancement of the kingdom. You come to a service like this, well, I don't really like that second song that we sung today. And the real answer is, where on earth did you become so selfish? say, Pastor Keith, you've never even met us. How did you know that about us? <laughs> Actually, I don't know that about you, but I bet it hit the nail on the head for some. Well, I, I, I'm a gifted musician. Yeah, from the pew? Oh, I'll be back next Sunday. See, it's not about me. It's not even about you. It's about what does the Spirit want to do in this day and age? Friends, I know it's Mother's Day. I know the lead pastor's away. But frankly, friends, this place should be full. This place should be full. And I know that's the cry of the leadership of your assembly, I'm sure. And I just ask you, if there was ever a time to get on your face before God and say, God, I, I'm sorry, God. I kept thinking it was about me, but God, it really isn't about me anymore. It, it, I, I'm in the boat. I'm saved. It's about my neighbor. It's about my colleagues. It's about my friends. It's about all the people that are within a stone's throw of this building. Yes, Lord, hear my heart. You created me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence, Lord. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Because I'm going to need the fullness of your spirit to share my faith and to be the witness I'm supposed to be. God wants to do something awesome in Calgary. He does. And I know he does. The Bible says in Galatians chapter nine verses nine, six verses nine and ten, it says, "Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let us do what it says, do good to all people." 
not evil things, not annoying things, not selfish things. You want to be in authority? Come under authority. It is interesting. Over the years, as I have looked for people to work with me on, on uh, pastoral staffs, it is interesting. The people that I always look for, automatically, I look for people that are already serving and in submission to someone in authority. If they're not already serving and if they're not in submission to somebody in authority, it is extremely unlikely that I will want to ask them to be part of the pastoral team. If you want to be in authority, you must be under authority. Romans chapter 12, verses 17 and 18. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy without holiness. No one will see the Lord. Finally, remind the people to remember God's love. This is what the Bible says in Titus chapter 3, verse 4 and following. It says, But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of His mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. I love what it says there. I hope you do as well. He saved us not because of righteous things that we have done, but because of his mercy. How many of you understand that through the blood of Jesus Christ, when we stand before God Almighty, we are going to need his mercy? I have said to many people, you know, if there is, if God doesn't extend mercy, we're doomed. Like, we don't have a chance. And oftentimes over the years, I've had people come and speak to me about their loved one who passed away very suddenly, and they were very concerned about them. Would they be heaven-bound or hell-bound? And I asked the question, did they put their faith in Jesus Christ? Did they have their hope in the Lord? Oh, yes, they did. But over the last year, they've been agitated, and they were, you know, they, saw, they, they did some things that weren't that great, and they didn't always reflect Jesus Christ, and, uh, and on and on they go. And I said, well, I hear what you're saying. So, uh, But the question we have to ask ourselves, do we always reflect Jesus Christ? Well, not always. Well, uh, you mean to tell me that if I pass away when I don't reflect Jesus Christ, I will be lost? Well, if that's the case, my, my, we're all in big trouble. Amen? Some of you on the way to church this morning were arguing with your spouse on Mother's Day. Boy, it got quiet. It's the truth, isn't it? And you walked out of the vehicle and you walked up to the door and, oh, bless the Lord, how you doing? God bless you, brother. How you doing? How you doing? And we wonder why our kids go, what? You're just screaming at mom in the car. For years and years, I pastored, we pastored uh, just a thriving church. And I would always uh, be able to tell the people, and I told the people, I said, you know, my wife and I never, ever, ever argue on the way to church. Never. I always take my own car. <laughs> and that's the truth. <laughs> and sometimes... 
Ah, I can't even spiritualize that. Forget it. Let's move on. <laughs> Remember what the Lord has done through Jesus Christ. He saved you. He has mercy upon you. He is a merciful God. We don't have an angel in heaven that every time you say praise the Lord, your name's on that book or name on that board. And as soon as you have a bad thought, he rubs your name off. And if you happen to die when your name's on, you go to heaven. And if you happen to die when your name's off, you go to hell. No, no, come on, come on. You think God is that fickle? Come on. Come on, that's crazy. There's got to be a, the mercy of God is there. You can have confidence in your salvation. You walk by faith and you put one foot in front of the other and you know that you're saved because of what Jesus Christ did. Scores and scores of funerals I've conducted. And I've been able to say to the people in so many of those cases, so-and-so is with the Lord, but not because they're nice and not because they were pleasant and not because, even though they may well have been. No, they're with the Lord because they put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's why. Because if we're honest, we've met Christians along the way that didn't reflect Jesus very well. And they were hurting and broken and sometimes, God forgive us, behind the scenes, we've wondered if they're even saved. And in some cases, maybe they weren't, but in other cases, they were, but they just had so much stuff to deal with. Wouldn't it have been, a, wouldn't it have been cool to come alongside of them and befriend them as a brother? I remember one situation happening, and, and sometimes we forget our own responsibilities uh, where we have to step in and we have to say and speak the truth in love. And that's a healthy thing. That's a good thing. I'm not going to tell you that story I was thinking about. We're going to move on. Victoria. Victoria. You ever hear of Victoria, Queen Victoria? Feisty, feisty lady. Uh, did an incredible job, historically, they say, of, of leaning England in the Commonwealth. And Victoria was... Uh, was a, a real cut up as a kid and she was with her tutors and she was getting all this information and she was cutting up and they were worried because they're thinking, you're going to be the queen of England and, and, and you're not taking your studies seriously. You need this information. You actually need it. And so they decided to take her aside and they did. They took Victoria aside and said, Victoria, now listen, Victoria, you're going to have to start behaving I'll just pretend you, Bethany, or Queen Victoria. And you're going to have to start behaving because the day comes where you're going to be in charge of the entire kingdom. And they explained it to her in no uncertain terms. And historians tell us that Victoria said, after that talk, she, she said, I will try to behave from now on. And apparently she stuck to her word. Because they knew that she was going to be in authority. And if she couldn't be under authority to her teachers, there was going to be a problem up the road. I love the story, and I head for a close with this, and I, I do head for a while, so don't pack up. 110 years ago, 115 probably, the Azusa Street Revival started with William Seymour, and he knew how to be under authority. This was a, a wonderful man, but Seymour was uh, a man who had black skin, and he was being called by God in a season where the society was extremely racist, 
And Seymour could be taught in the Bible college that he wanted to go to, but because of racism, if you can believe it, because of the color of his skin, he was not allowed to sit in the main core of the classroom. He had to sit off on a side place where he could see the professor teaching and preaching, but he couldn't stay with the main group. Now, nowadays, and rightfully so, most people would say, forget that racist foolishness, I'm out of here. But Seymour had no other opportunities, and he wanted the teaching, and so he put himself under that racist system, and he allowed himself to glean from the professor the word of God, which was wholesome and good and awesome. The word of God. So he sat there, and he did what he needed to do. In this next photograph, you will see a picture of this tiny little leadership team. And Seymour is the guy right there in the front row, second to my right as I look at the picture. And this man was a man of God. Not only him, but some of the ladies in particular, who unfortunately historians haven't included them the way they should. Sound familiar? But these ladies were mightily used of God and tremendous leaders of God. And these particular people were called of God. And if you trace back into history, the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada came out from the Azusa Street Mission, uh, um, um, ministry and revival. Um, the Nazarene Church came out of that, and, and many, many others came out of it. The Assemblies of God and others, uh, they came out of this very humble beginning. Well, I want you to know what Mr. Seymour did, Pastor Seymour, what he did when he started preaching and teaching at this little revival meeting. He was so humble before the Lord, he would get orange or apple crates, and he would set them up on a, on, on a platform, or rather a pulpit, you know, a wooden pulpit, and he'd put that thing up there, and he would stick his head in there with his Bible, and he would preach the word of God from in there, because he thought, no one needs to see my face, no one has to see my shoes, nobody has to see the new shirt I bought. He didn't want that. He wanted them to focus on the word of God. He sticks his head in there and he preaches in there. Not only is he out of step with society by way of the racist environment that he was in, but even the godly people are going, hmm, I don't know. But God said, I know. I'm going to use that guy. I'm going to use that guy. And God mightily used that man. And I think of this man often, though I never met him, obviously, passed away many, many years ago. But I often think of this man and how humble and how, how soft he was before the Lord and how God chose him, I dare say, for reasons such as that. And I want to remind you that God will use whomever he chooses. He really will. Ah, oh, he's too young. Ah, oh, God can't use him. My son here, he just finished his first year at Vanguard College in Edmonton. Can we give him a hoot and a holler? Amen. He had been out of school for many years, went back, feeling the call of God on his life. God can use you, Adam. God can use you. He is using you. He will use you. 
And somebody else, you see, uh, you, you, you know God is, is doing something in your heart and life, but people won't recognize you. Maybe you're, 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 you're a person that is not being recognized the way you know you need to be and so on and so forth. Hey, don't get impatient with it. Trust the Lord with it. Trust the Lord with it. God can use you. God used a donkey in the scripture. Amen. Amen. If he can use the donkey, you guys are okay. Amen. Amen. I mean, really. Sometimes we think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Amen. Really. God can use anybody. Oh, we don't want some false gra- groveling. You know, no, no, no. We're not talking about false humility or anything like that. But truthfully, God can use anybody. It is a privilege. And as I've said repeatedly, I say it again. We serve at the pleasure of the Lord. We serve at the pleasure of the Lord. God is in charge. He can replace us like that. But he wants to use you. He wants to use broken vessels like Peter, James, John, Adam. Keith, Betty Ann, Bethany, yeah, Ange, my daughter-in-law, maybe, amen, maybe, amen, I'm just messing with her, God can do awesome things. When we left our, our, our former assembly, and I'll show you a picture of the auditorium and one of the new pastors. With the, he's, he's the youth pastor there. And we were serving in Woodstock for 15 years, and, and when we left that place, uh, you know, our administrator told us that we were running around 735 people. And since we left there, they went through a little bit of an adjustment season, which it always happens. But I'm sure that they're doing over 1,000 now. You know, God will keep using anyone that is open to him and he will multiply his church and it will grow and some people say well what's the big deal we you know the hundred people we have we all love each other we all care about each other why does it matter so much it matters because we're back to the great commission jesus and he told us what to do he wants people to come into his kingdom it does matter numbers do matter Somebody had a vision for, I'm told, over 900 seats in this place. Somebody had a vision for 900 souls. Double services, 1,800. Triple, help me with the math. No, you know, like, I mean, seriously, it's amazing what God can do. Under authority, in authority. We are God's. We belong to Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit lives in us. He now calls us to act and live as if we are indeed his. God wants to use you here at Northwest Family Church. God wants to use you. Not exclusively in the building per se, but he wants to use you as an individual just living for God, living for God, doing what he's called you to do, and letting the light of Jesus Christ shine through you. Friends, one of these days, one of these days, it's going to be over. Wouldn't it be awesome if we were one of the groups who actually dared to trust God in some awesome way? We actually dared to take him at his word. We actually dared to follow through. And we actually dared to hang in there and go for it 
and we were able to see a mighty move of God. Wouldn't that be awesome? I don't think that's out of the realm of possibilities. I think that's dead on for what God is calling us to do, that we would have faith and we would go into the highways and byways and we'd compel them to come in. Yes, the goal is not just to get them into the building. The goal is, is to get them into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, and that can only be done, of course, by the power of the Holy Spirit. But I remind you, he uses people of faith. And that's you. And that's me. And it's awesome what he can do. Will you let me pray with you, please? Father, to the best of my ability, I've talked to your people a little bit about faith here today. And Lord, I ask that you would bless them. Lord, that this word would settle into their spirit and they would feel the tugging of the Holy Spirit to make adjustments through repentance, through commitment, through surrender. Lord, that there would be some eternal work done in our hearts and souls here today. For Lord, if it's just a, oh, that was a nice sermon. Lord, that, that is so far short of what we're looking for. We want changes of the heart. We want to be inspired to serve. We want to be full of your spirit. We want to be used by God. So Father, we humbly ask you, Lord, would you help us to dare to dream? Would you help us, Lord, to, to dare to, to look again uh, unto the, to the thousands around us that need you? But, Lord, we know that you need to start afresh in us. So, Father, forgive us of our sins. Wash us with your precious blood, Jesus. We commit ourselves to you, Lord. Would you use us in these last days, Lord? Would you, would you use this assembly, Lord? Would you, would you grant the desire of the, the leadership of this assembly, Lord, that, that there would be a mighty move of God? You would help and guide and direct and empower by your spirit. In Jesus' name.